Well, good morning. It is really good to see you here. It's been great to worship our God together with you. And as I was standing there singing and listening, I turned a little bit so I could hear you guys. You guys sounded really good this morning. I, I love to hear you all worship. Uh, well, welcome to White Plains. My name is Gary, and I joyfully serve as the senior pastor here. And I want to uh, say welcome, especially if you're new to us this morning. I want to say a special welcome to you. You are an answer to our prayer, to my prayers. I've been praying for you and your family this week that whatever's happening in your world, that God will be showing himself and revealing himself to you in a way that would, would draw you to him. And so I am thankful that you're here. And as our guest, I hope that you find our church to be a warm and welcoming group of people. Thank you for being our guest. Kids, it's always good seeing you here at church. And I think I saw several of y'all here yesterday, didn't I? It was a, a good day. Did you have fun at Vacation Bible School? Did you? <laughs> I did. Um, did you get foam in your eyes? Surely some of y'all got foam in your eyes. Well, you guys made some cool Lego creations. We've got those out in the lobby. It's been fun seeing y'all show off uh, those to, to friends and family already this morning. Make sure you show those off to, uh, to those that you have with you uh, before you leave this morning. Do you remember what we talked about in our small groups uh, yesterday about building God's kingdom? The big idea that we had from our conversation in our small groups is this. The kingdom of God is growing in the world. The kingdom is valuable, and it's worth giving everything for. While we wait for Jesus to return and fully set up his kingdom, we carry out the mission of telling others about King Jesus who rescues sinners. Now this morning in Kids Church, you're going to hear more about what Jesus teaches. This morning you're going to hear about Jesus' teaching about God's love. And it should be just as good as yesterday's, I'm sure. It will be good to hear what God's Word has for you. And before we can tell others about God's kingdom, we have to know it ourselves first. And that's what Griffin and Brandon did. They showed us in their baptism that they believe that God loves them. And through Jesus, Jesus has made them right with God. When they got baptized, you heard I asked them two questions. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And do you promise to live for him for the rest of your life? Those are the same two questions that I would ask you when, you, when it's time for you to get baptized. And remember from last week that baptism is an outward expression about, about something that's happening on the inside. The Bible tells us to be baptized. It tells us to be baptized after we believe in Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, he did like the Keltners did. He got all the way wet. If you have questions about what it means to, be, to believe in Jesus or about getting baptized, talk to your parents. Talk to your grandparents, and then y'all talk with me. Thank you for being here with us at church. Uh, before you leave after church, don't forget we have a picnic. And so stick around, hot dogs, chips, cookies, drinks, all that good stuff. Uh, you guys are dismissed to go on up to Kids Church. Kids Church is for kids in kindergarten through sixth grade. And parents and grandparents, you'll be able to pick up your kids after service in our lobby uh, when it's over. And as they are leaving, I would invite you all to stick around after church for our, our picnic. It's going to be a fun time. It's a way of celebrating our vacation Bible school and all that God has done uh, through it. Uh, this is open to everyone here. 
Uh, there's no cost, and if you don't already have lunch plans, I would love for you to stick around and eat, uh, share a meal with us. We'll have indoor seating, so you can remain in the air condition. If you want to be outside, there's plenty of that, too. Uh, we'll have the playground, and the basketball courts will be open. Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 146. As we continue in our summer series, Summer in the Psalms. We're going to finish this series next week as we finish out the month of July. I have uh, really enjoyed this time together with you. I have grown in my understanding of who God is by reading through these psalms with you. The psalms are somewhat unique in the Bible. They are God's words to us, but also back to Him. Psalm 146 has a chiastic structure to it. If you remember from earlier psalms that have this structure, chiasm is a way that the writer writes to connect lines of the psalms together. In the case of Psalm 146, if you're looking at it, you'll see that you can see that verse 1 coordinates with the last part of verse 10. Verse 2 coordinates with the first part of verse 10. And then verses 3 and 4 coordinate with verses 5 through 9. That is the chiastic structure there. So as we read through this passage, maybe it will make sense as we, as we hear these words. But Psalm 146, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he who hopes, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Let's pray in response to what we read here in this passage. God, we thank you for your word. Praise belongs to you. Our soul praises you. We praise you as long as we live. Lord, you are worthy of our praise because you made heaven and earth. You are the creator. You set prisoners free. You open the eyes of the blind. You are worthy of our praise. You lift up those who are bowed down. Lord, you are worthy of our praise. You watch over us as we travel. You uphold the widow and the fatherless. Lord, we trust you. We put our faith in you. You will reign forever, and we will praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the genre of this, pray, of this psalm is praise. It's very clearly a psalm of praise, isn't it? We're going to look at several praiseworthy attributes of God this morning, and you might have already taken a look at your notes, and you see there's lots of blanks. That usually translate, translates into a long message. We will go through those blanks awfully quick because there's hot dogs waiting for us. 
this might be one of my shortest sermons because I know there's hot dogs waiting. Um, It's a really good practice to read a passage of Scripture before your prayer time and have that passage inform your prayer. Read through a passage like we just did in Psalm 146 and highlight praiseworthy attributes of God. This has been my practice with you on Sunday mornings together. We will usually read the main passage, and then I'll say something like, let's pray in response to what we just read. This is called Scripture-Fed Prayer, and Psalm 146 is a great psalm to practice this because there's so many praiseworthy attributes of God here in this short little passage. The author of this psalm is unknown, Some think it's Haggai, some think it's Zechariah, but we really don't know. We're unsure. It's not listed. It's a beautiful psalm that praises the Lord and reminds us not to trust in earthly power, but to put our hope in God who executes justice, feeds the hungry, sets prisoners free, and watches over the vulnerable. Look with me at verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. There's no doubt this is a psalm of praise. And as a Christian, note the length of our praise here. The psalmist says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. My first thought when reading this was, won't I continue to praise God in the life that comes after, in the next life? So why does the psalmist limit our praise to this life? I ask questions of the text. As I study, I want to know what it says, and so I often will ask questions of what I'm reading. I hope you do as well. I want to better understand what's being said. So I ask questions. I prayerfully search, meditate, and study Scripture to gain understanding. It is true that we will continue our praise to God in the, in the next life. Our praise in this life comes from faith. Our praise in the next life will come from sight. We will see who we are praising then. But now our praise comes from faith. And this psalmist recognizes that our faith is challenged. Our faith will be tested in this life. So before he goes on in this psalm, this psalmist makes a commitment to a lifelong praise. Lifelong praise is part of your purpose as a Christian. Commit to a lifelong praise of God. Now, this is harder than it sounds. We all have known people who've been active in the church. They've been active in their faith, and for whatever reason, life happened, and they fell away. They stopped putting their faith and their trust in God. They stopped praising God, and without committing to a lifelong praise and trust in God, it can easily happen. Commit to a lifelong praise of God. This text helps me ask the question, where do you place your trust? Where do you place your trust? Let's let's look at verses 3 and 4. 
Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Where do you place your trust for your well-being, for your joy, for your mental health, for your security, your happiness, your purpose? God is the giver of all good gifts. God has given us the good gift of government to watch over us. God has given many of us the good gift of relationships. God has given most of us the good gift of work for compensation. All of these come from God. But some of us put our trust in these things to meet our needs. The psalmist says, don't do that. When you put your trust in a good gift from God instead of God, you set yourself up for harm. Because all of those good gifts are temporary, in a manner of speaking. People die, governments change, relationships end, careers come and go. It's all temporary. Putting your trust in a temporary thing or a person is not a sure hope. What isn't temporary is God. God is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. Let's see how this psalmist describes God here in verses 5 through 9. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. There are at least 10 praiseworthy attributes here in these short five verses, and we'll go through them quickly. So go ahead and get your pen and grab your notes. The first one that shows up is God made everything. God made everything. God is the creator. We can trust God because he is the author of everything. He gave you life along with everyone else. If God is powerful enough to create everything, powerful enough to be trusted with your life and your circumstances. God made everything. The next thing we see is that God is faithful. And not only is God faithful, he is faithful forever. He can be trusted. The Bible is full of real-life accounts of God proving his faithfulness. God knows that you and I need to be reminded of his faithfulness. Because forever faithful is a difficult concept. You've probably been let down by someone you once trusted. You've probably let someone down who trusted you. God makes promises and he keeps them. He is different than we are. He can be trusted because he is forever faithful. He always has been and he always will be. God is faithful the next thing in your notes is God rights wrongs. 
The psalmist says God executes justice for the oppressed. God rights wrongs. We see this ultimately in Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus had to die because sin is present. And where sin is, death follows. Romans says the wage of sin is death. In other words, sin earns death. Because sin is present, and sin is the root of all wrong things, death comes. It comes as punishment, and it comes as payment. Jesus died for you because your sin demands death. It was either your death, or as it turns out, Jesus' death on your behalf, because God rights wrongs. Next, God meets your needs. Our biggest need is to be made right with God. God meets that need in Jesus. But God shows us time and time again in the Bible and in your life, if you look back over it, that he meets your needs, all of them, relational, spiritual, physical, emotional. God meets your needs. In Exodus, we read about God righting the wrong of slavery. He delivers the people of Israel out of Egypt. He uses some pretty spectacular miracles to accomplish this. He then leads them through 40 years of their wandering around where he sends them food and protection to meet their needs. God meets your needs. Next, God brings freedom. God delivers. He brings freedom. There are accounts of God delivering those who are imprisoned in the Bible. He does that. He delivers from whatever may be imprisoning you. God brings freedom because the forgiveness of our sin liberates us. We are no longer guilty. In Jesus, we're counted as righteous. The next blank is God heals. According to the psalmist, God opens the eyes of the blind. He heals. God, our creator, can fix what's broken. If you are hurt need healing, go to the one who created you. God can heal you. Now, he won't always do it in the way that you think you might want to be healed. Sometimes he does, but other times he heals differently. But we can trust God because he heals. God comforts. He can fix what's physically wrong. He can heal us, but he, offer, he also comforts us in our sadness in our grief, and in our emotional pain. This is one of the best things that God promises to us, to be with us in our pain. That's comfort. To know that God of all creation will be with you in your low and painful moments, that he will never leave you, that he will never forsake you, that is comfort. That is our God. He is good. God comforts. The next blank is God loves. An extension of his comfort is his love for you. His love for you is more than just compassion or sweet thoughts. His love for you has purpose. His love for you draws you to Jesus so that you can believe in him and follow him, to live like Christ, being obedient to God and his word. Love with purpose, that is true love. 
God's love for you lasts. It's forevermore and it's unchanging. You can trust God because he loves you on purpose. The next blank is God cares. That love for you plays out in his care for you. He protects you and he strengthens you. The psalmist puts it this way. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. God cares for you in countless ways. Pay attention this week and see if you can identify ways that God cares for you. God can be trusted because he cares for you. Now this leads us to the last of the ten attributes that I've identified here in Psalm 146. This last one's a little bit different. It doesn't feel as good as the first nine, like God comforting loving and caring for you but this last one is just as true as the first nine god ruins god ruins the wicked by not trusting god you remain apart from god you remain in sin you remain wicked it's your choice to stay there But you need to understand the rest of this passage is just as true as this part. God will ruin you if you remain from him. If you run away from him. God is the creator. This is his universe that we're living in. He is the main character. Our lives, no matter how we live them, fall under the reign of King Jesus. As king, Jesus is ruler Jesus is the authority. If you remain at odds with what God expects and demands, you will be ruined. This is what it's like living under the authority of a king, of King Jesus. He loves, he cares, he comforts, he heals, he brings freedom, he rights wrongs, he meets needs, he is faithful. He pours all of that out on those who love and follow him. He is the creator. He made everything. And so he is able and allowed to bring to ruin those who don't love and follow him. This is truth. This is the reality that we all live under, whether we want to realize it or not. You are here. You are alive. You are, you are continued to live because God allows it. You did nothing to bring yourself into existence. God brought you into existence. Trust God. Have those good things, those first nine things we looked at, showered upon you. And you won't be ruined with the rest of the wickedness when that time comes. Trust God. Trust King Jesus. In verse 10, we read, The Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. I mentioned at the beginning of our time this morning the main point from our VBS weekend. The kingdom of God is growing in the world. The kingdom is valuable and worth giving everything for. While we wait for King Jesus to return and fully set up his kingdom, we carry out the mission of telling others about King Jesus who rescues sinners. Psalm 146 ends by telling us that God will reign forever. His kingdom is everlasting, and it's good. God rescues sinners like you and me. 
This is what happens. We go from wicked to righteous. We are rescued. God is a sure hope for the suffering. God is a sure hope for the suffering. God, not man, not our government, not anything or anyone else can give us sure and certain hope in our suffering. God is a sure hope for the suffering. Nothing else can rescue us. God alone is our hope. God alone is forever faithful. God alone is powerful enough to rescue us. We all suffer. We all suffer. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin brings suffering before it brings death. We all suffer as a result of sin. Either our sin or someone else's sin put upon us. Sin brings suffering before it brings death. But God is a sure hope for the suffering. God is a sure hope for you. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all need King Jesus. We all need King Jesus because He is the one who gives us life everlasting and hope for today. Death and suffering come from sin. Life and purpose come from being rescued by Jesus. I'll invite the worship team to come back up. What have you done with Jesus? Do you know Him? Do you believe that He can rescue you from the future that awaits you? Have you trusted in Him? Have you obediently followed Jesus like the Keltners by being baptized? Are you living every moment trusting in God, living a life that reflects that trust? One that is shaped by God's Word with the mission of building God's kingdom. If you want to adjust your response to Jesus this morning, you can do that. If you want to turn from the way that wickedness will lead you and trust God, you can do that. If you need help in figuring out what that looks like in your context, I'm happy to help. There are others here who are happy to walk with you as you trust God in faith until it becomes sight. For those of you who are trusting God, continue to a lifelong praise of Him. Make that lifelong commitment of praise and trust, no matter what may come. Will you stand with me as we pray? God, we trust you. You are faithful forever. You rescue us. You deliver us. You care for us. You love us. You comfort us. There are so many things that you do for us. Help us to see the good that you have for us if we just trust you. Because we also know that you ruin. And a life apart from you would lead to ruin. Lord, I pray that you would rescue us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.